This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Do you ever look around and think, man, everyone is such a jerk. And you know where that starts? childhood. Good Kids, How Not to Raise an Asshole is a new podcast from Lemonada Media that we are totally obsessed with that offers advice, rants, stories, and reflections on how to raise a kinder, gentler, better human. For 15 minutes each week, a diverse set of parents, experts, celebrities, and world shapers grab the mic for a no-holds-barred TED-style podcast on child-rearing. This isn't just another parenting podcast. It's the podcast we all need to make the world a better place. Subscribe to Good Kids Now wherever you listen. What I need to happen is I need to walk in the door at six o'clock and have dinner be ready to go or well on its way. I'm not home in the couple of hours before dinner to get things going in an Instant Pot. I'm not there. And when I get home, oh my gosh, if my five-year-old, if we had to wait another hour for dinner to oh. be ready, <laughs> there would be chaos. There already is chaos. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Megan. And I am Stacy. Welcome to this week's episode. <laughs> it's weird, always a weird transition because we both know that before we say hello, there's the cute recording that our amazing editor, Samantha, made for us of our kids being like, welcome, didn't I just feed you? So it feels redundant to be like, welcome, 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 welcome. We're so glad you're here. We are so glad. And did you guys notice that the last few weeks, the new recording of the kids, they're so oh, cute. I know. They're getting so big. You have a teenager now. I do. But you know, listen, he still has a like kind of lispy kid voice. Although, yes. although, although. Give us a tea. Oh, I, feel, I hope he doesn't get mad at me. But his voice is changing. Like all of a sudden, someone looked at us the other day and was like, is he, is his voice deeper? And I was like, no. And then I tuned in and he was like, mom. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> his voice I is don't changing. I think you should be embarrassed about that. That's cool. It's like one of the transitions into being an mm. adult. I don't it was think gonna that when you're later. going through puberty, it feels very cool. I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm reframing. You know me. I like to find the silver lining wherever I can. I like that about you. Um, speaking of silver lining, kind of not really, we want to make sure you have <laughs> rated and reviewed, didn't I just feed you? And subscribe. Wherever you're listening and subscribe. 
we it helps us helps other people find us. So we really appreciate if you can do that. Um, I like how you just said it helps us. I feel like <laughs> people should fill in the blank. Like, does it help our mental health? Does it help us feel good about ourselves? Oh man, sometimes I want to like geek out on the behind the scenes stuff of making a podcast. You should. Um, I have a little bit like in our listeners group a couple weeks ago. I shared the most unflattering selfie of myself. (laughs) First of all, it wasn't unflattering as much as it was funny. Did you see that I I yes. retorted? I, yes. That's not really so the right good. word. But. You shared too. Well, so it was this selfie that I took of what I look like when I'm just staring into my phone as like a tool to hopefully get me to stop staring at my phone. I put it as my home screen and my lock screen. So I see it every time I pick up my phone. So I can be like, do I really want to look like that right now? Not really. But I said, you know, taking two weeks off like we did around the holidays was it's kind of hard on our listenership. Like we lose subscribers a little bit. Our download rates go down and that can be hard to start the new year, especially when we're trying to find sponsors and continue to have the podcast pay for itself. And I think people like we have affiliate links on the site. So we earn a little bit of money that way. We started selling our cheese me tote, which we also earn a little bit of money from. But I think people are always looking for ways that they can support us that don't cost their money and subscribing, reading and reviewing, telling your friends about didn't I just feed you. All of those things help and they're free. I appreciate that you said that. And also I, since you took the opportunity to explain all that and geek out, I'm going to geek out about sponsors because we work really, really hard. You work really, not- really hard. You're the sponsorship <laughs> queen. <clears throat> well, I work really hard. And actually, it is we. We work really hard to make sure that the sponsors we bring you are ones with whom we feel really good having a relationship and that we feel that we can authentically and honestly share with you guys. That doesn't mean you're going to love every single one. You and I have different relationships with the brands that we, but we always believe in it and we talk about it. If, If it isn't like a hell yes from both of us at the beginning, we talk to each other about like, well, how do you use that product in your kitchen and how does it help you? And it's really meaningful because we aren't just signed up with any old network that's serving up any old ads in your ears, guys. Like we're handpicking this, which is a ton of extra time and work because we want you guys to trust us and really find everything you hear on this podcast from our banter to our interviews to the ads helpful and informational. Yes, here, here. And if you want to sponsor us, feel free to hit us up at hello at didn'tijustfeedyou.com. That's perfect. Enough podcasts behind the scenes stuff. I feel like that's not really what people are here for. There's lots of podcasts for that, right? Um, They want to know about making food easier and more fun for their family. And we have an awesome guest today, which Stacey took the lead on this interview because I had a personal thing come up and she talked with Nikki Sizemore more about her new cookbook that's all about healthy slow cooker cooking, right? Yeah. So full disclosure, I wrote a little blurb for Nikki's book. So oh, I saw this book I a didn't long even know time that. ago. Yeah, I blurbed yeah. it for her. And I instantly was like, okay, we're going to have her on when it's time. And the book actually came out in October, but we waited till January because we really didn't want this to get lost in all the like holiday cooking frenzy that we know you guys are in. Also, January is a very popular time for slow cookers. It's, I think, in January, February is when we did our slow cooker episode last year. Yeah. And our Instant Pot episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to chit chat between us too much today because you can go back and listen to those episodes where we share our thoughts on why we like the appliances, what we think their shortcomings are, how they compare. But I did start off by asking Nikki a little bit about the Instant Pot versus the slow cooker because I just think that's a big one that people want to know about. Like, do I need both? And actually, in our listeners group, which y'all, if you're listening and you haven't joined, you go to facebook.com backslash didn't I just feed you, go to groups. And if you know the answer to the question that you will be prompted to answer, it's whiskey. Or tell us your favorite cocktail. Or tell us your favorite cocktail. Which is fun to read when people... Um, mention their other favorite cocktails. Some people yes. are like whiskey, but I love 
a basil whiskey smash or something. Mm. And it's so, Ooh, I want so that fun. Right now. I get ideas. It's only 1.30. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you can go see all the fun and the conversation that's happening there as well. But someone in the listeners group was asking for advice because they have a slow cooker that they love. They got an Instant Pot and they were like, you guys, do I keep it or do I get rid of it? So I think you'll, that's, that's where I thought we should start. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. If you are not friends and giving blurbs to Nikki Sizemore. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki is a food writer and the creator of the blog From Scratch Fast, which features recipes and meals that can be made from scratch in under an hour. She's written for Parents, Health, All Recipes Magazine, Fine Cooking. She's a video host and instructor for NBC's universal streaming platform, Blueprint. Ooh, that's new to me. And she also regularly appears on PBS series Movable Feast. Of course, we'll include links for her other two books, Buildable and the Food Processor Family Cookbook, as well as her latest fresh flavors from the slow cooker, Reinventing the Slow Cooked Meal. And you can listen to her right now. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Hi, I'm so thrilled to be here. Yay. So it's funny because last year we did a slow cooker episode and an Instant Pot episode uh-huh. because I feel like tis the season. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. But at the same time, I remember that I always used to tell people, don't just use your slow cooker in winter for those stews and those comforting things. You should also pull it out in the warm weather months when you want to be hanging outside. You want to be at the beach longer or at the playground with the kids because it can be cooking for you without turning on the oven. Without heating up your kitchen. It's such a brilliant year-round tool. I say the same thing, and I think people are always shocked. I actually never used my slow cooker in the summer until my good friend Tanya lives in Florida and she's got two kids and she's like, oh, Nikki, I use my slow cooker all the time because I'm not heating up my kitchen. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> so right? I, I'm a firm slow cooker year round user. And in fact, I, you know, my, I have a new book out that is all about the slow cooker, but I also think like it, the slow cooker is a great way to use up some garden produce and stuff that we might have a surplus of in, in the summer. So I make my ratatouille and my, my minestrone soups and things like that that we can either eat directly or freeze for the winter when we're craving some of those summer vegetables that we can't get. Oh my gosh, you're already like dropping bombs. <laughs> so genius. I really only thought about it in the context of not heating up the kitchen. But it's so true that there are all these great spring and summer recipes. You know, there's this kind of refrain that we food professionals have about, you know, just giving your in-season produce a light touch in spring and summer. Mm -hmm. But actually, there are all these great, long, slow-cooked dishes that make such wonderful use of spring and summer produce. Absolutely. I mean, in my book, one of my favorite recipes to make in the summer is a peach butter and you're using ripe peaches and they just cook. I use cardamom and a little cinnamon and they cook down until this thick, rich peach butter. And there's like few other foods on this planet. If I have that in the freezer, Oh my gosh, January is going to be so exciting. (laughs) It tastes like summer. It tastes like summer and it's so easy to make, but you really do. You don't want to be making that in January. You really want to be making that when peaches are at their ripest. Absolutely. So slow cooker, instant pot. I mean, you're already speaking to the virtues of the slow cooker, but I think a lot of people think that the instant pot is like a slow cooker, but faster. Right. Is that true? Okay. No, it's not true. Okay. So I think there's a place for both, but I also think they behave very differently. So the instant pot, where it has its magic is that it's a pressure cooker. And so you can cook hearty foods like beans and grains. In fact, I've got a batch of beans cooking in an Instant Pot right now. Um, (laughs) It's brilliant in that regard. And you do have to be kind of, you don't have to be present for most of the cooking, but it's not a long cooking process. It's a quick cooking process. Now the Instant Pot has a slow cooker function. And for most, you know, a lot of soups and stews, that slow cooker function is going to work perfectly well. 
However, it behaves a lot different than a traditional slow cooker. So a traditional slow cooker is a really gentle, slow cook. It's very even, consistent heat. And so with that, you're going to get much more consistent results. So for instance, in the Instant Pot, things will cook faster. It is a faster cooking mechanism, even if you're using the slow cooker function. And some heartier things in the slow cooker function sometimes take even longer to turn tender. So I reserve my Instant Pot for pressure cooking. And really that's what I use it for. And to be honest, I don't use it that often, but maybe that's just because in my life where I am today with two kids and <laughs> gymnastics classes and these yes. and that, my <laughs> slow cooker is more functional for me because my what I need to happen is I need to walk in the door at six o'clock and have dinner be ready to go or well on its way. I'm not home in the couple of hours before dinner to get things going in an Instapot. I'm not there. And when I get home, oh my gosh, if my five-year-old, if we had to wait another hour for dinner to oh. be ready, <laughs> there would be chaos. There already is chaos. So my slow cooker is really the tool that I use most often. And I was not always a slow cooker fan. (laughs) Trust me, I have become a convert, but I was the one who nay-nayed on the slow cooker for a very long time before before my kids started to get older because I was convinced, I mean, I was convinced that slow cooker, you know, the slow cooker was best for turning food really mushy and bland and watery. (laughs) I hear you. So I want to talk about that more, but I wanted to ask you one other question about the slow cooker versus the Instant Pot because Megan and I were having a conversation at one point about how the seal is also different on the Instant Pot versus a slow cooker. And that can really impact the way that certain dishes cook in each device, even if you're using the slow cooker function on the Instant Pot. You're exactly right. And that is my one of my biggest... Um, that's one of the reasons I prefer a traditional slow cooker over the Instant Pot when slow cooking, because you can't check things easily in the Instant Pot. And it's such a tight seal. So when in a traditional slow cooker, there's really not any evaporation anyway, but you think of an Instant Pot and that thing is sealed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like sealed in. So yes. there is zero evaporation. And the fact that I can't see what's going on uh-huh. and I can't easily check it. It, it, it's a hindrance to, you know, to cooking things low and slow. So, okay, let's talk about this mushy, like watery, (laughs) like, is there a certain dish that you made in your slow cooker that like you were, had an aha moment or was it over time you realized how to use it? Are there certain techniques that helped you move away from that? Because the reality is, A lot of slow cooker recipes out there, if you don't get it from a trusted source, are kind of bad and do turn out kind of mushy, watery food. Well, I think the promise of the slow cooker, a lot of people think the promise of the slow cooker is that I'm going to dump a bunch of stuff in there, walk away and come back and have a delicious dinner. But that was kind of that mentality began during the year, the the years of convenience food. So a can of this, a can of that, um, you know, maybe a chicken breast or two, and then that's it. And you're going to end up with something that maybe at the time was okay. I think our palates have evolved so much. And I, (laughs) I don't, I think we all crave brighter, fresher flavors and we have access to so many, you know, bright, fresh foods these days. So when I first got married, got a slow cooker for our a wedding gift in 2005, and I think I tried to make a some a pork pork loin in it, and it turned mm-hmm. out so horrible, <laughs> so horrible. I was like, "This is never." I mean, the thing went into the basement and just gathered dust. I think I would pull it up maybe once a year and make some chili in my slow cooker, and that was it. And then the kids started to get older, and my mom. <laughs> God bless her heart. And Midwestern mom was like, Nikki, you should really give your slow cooker another <laughs> yes. try. Or, or crock pot, of course. Crock pot, another try. Oh, right, right. <laughs> to and which, a crock pot and a slow cooker are the same thing, They're right? the same thing. The okay. crock pot is just the brand name. I totally rolled my eyes and I was like, well, whatever, mom. <laughs> and But really, it was like desperation. There just came a point when my oldest daughter turned seven and all of a sudden she she's in art classes and sewing classes and things. Yeah. And I just, I was like, I I can't really function. I need help in the kitchen. My husband isn't home during dinner time. I had a 
toddler as well. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pull this thing up. And I challenged myself. I, you know, I, I'm very grateful and lucky to have a culinary background and a culinary degree. And I was like, okay, can I make this stuff taste good? Like, is there a way <laughs> I'm going to see? And yeah. I, so I just started tinkering with recipes and challenged myself to make, see if I could make five recipes that I really liked. And then five turned into 20, turned into 30, turned into, and turned eventually into a book. turned into a book. <laughs> That's right. And these recipes, really writing this book was the most fun. I've written three and this was the most fun because all of the prep happens early in the day. So like I didn't yeah. have to go through that dinner time craziness and these are the dishes my kids love more than any you know any other book I've written they really love the food in this book and that makes me really proud because my mission you know is to really help busy families get food on the table and busy families also involve a lot of different palates and a lot of different <laughs> totally you know. and what I love about this story is that I do think Megan and I talk about this a lot that people look at food professionals and think, oh, you must feed your kids like gourmet food all the time. Or, <laughs> you know, the truth is we're busy parents oh, too. hundred <laughs> percent. And the thing that gives us an edge, like our culinary experience gives us an edge in doing exactly what you did, which is just figuring out faster, clever, more clever ways to get dinner on the table. Yeah. <laughs> that we can then share with others. It's not our edge isn't that our kids are eating foie gras and like shaved fennel salads every night. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like we're eating tacos, people. I I adore my kids. They have such different palates though. And my oldest is super picky. And she wasn't as a baby. I was like, this kid eats everything. She's so, and now it's like, oh, the opposite. But you're exactly right. Like I still want to eat delicious food and yes. I don't have hours to spend in the kitchen. So where do I find the balance of creating something that's really delicious that meets my benchmark for something that I like to eat and that's something that's convenient enough and that is versatile enough that my kids can, you know, we can either adapt it to my kids' palate or that it's something that I can dress up on my own. Like, so in my book and in all, all of my books, I am a sauce queen. I love like quick, yeah. vibrant, <laughs> no cook sauces, things like that. Because my first book, Buildable, was that is really because my youngest, we were starting to eat down to Ella's level. Like she at the time was five and we were, we, my husband and I had a newborn baby and we found that like our dinners were getting like to be a five-year-old palate. And yeah. I was like, this isn't happening. So that book was like, okay, how do I create meals where everyone can build their own and dress it and make it their own? And so bright sauces, my husband and I could add all of the things, whereas Ella could keep hers really minimal and like not have the food touch on her plate <laughs> like she had to do when she was five. Yes, um, that's so real. And actually, I want everybody to also check our show notes where we're going to have a link to Buildable as well to all your books. But that is also a fantastic book. It's a great weeknight resource. Oh, thank Thank you. Thank you. But yes, yeah, slow cooker, I, I became a convert. And nowadays I use the slow cooker at least once a week. And it's just, I truly love this appliance. And I never, ever thought I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Your Midwestern mama is proud. I had to dedicate the book to her because oh, that. that's so great. <laughs> Okay, I have a burning question, a searing question, you might say, but I'm fucked. It's too bad we don't have Megan here today to groan at me and my lame jokes. Um, Okay, how important is it to sear and brown ahead of time? Because I'm that person who doesn't do it. I'm like, if I'm pulling out the slow cooker, then I'm not also cleaning a pan. Okay, so I hear you, and I have a solution for you. Okay. I have a solution for you. Okay, so I... Maybe, you know, I think this is a subjective thing in some respects. I find that raw foods, certain raw foods like raw onion, take an incredibly long time to completely soften in the slow cooker, depending on what you're making and how they're chopped. So I am a firm believer in doing some advanced prep for some recipes, not for all recipes. And that might mean spending three minutes in a skillet at the stove. However, 
Like you, I understand there had to be a shortcut because there are some nights when I'm just not, or some mornings actually when I'm prepping this liquor, I just am not going to be bothered with, you know, messing up another pan. So you can actually microwave, I call them in the book, the aromatics. And these are things like the the onions, the garlic, things that are going, this is going to do two things for you. It's going to soften them so that you know in the final dish, they're not going to overpower the final dish. And that it, they're going to start to bloom. They're going to start to bloom and give you more flavor. So you can either do this in three minutes on the stovetop or you can do it in the microwave. And I give instructions for both. That is genius. And I know there are mixed feelings about the microwave. I happen to really like mine. I think it's really great for doing some like quick steaming at the last minute when I'm like, oh my God, I planned dinner, but wait, what is our vegetable? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it just, it makes it possible to cook something quickly and retain the nutrients. I agree. And I, at first, when I started experimenting with this, I felt very strange. (laughs) Microwaving a bowl full of onions and carrots and like chili powder. I was like, what? But it works it works amazingly. And the more I did it, I was like, why do I feel strange about this? We reheat leftovers in the microwave all the time. This is no different. And hey, I'm telling you, if it's a Tuesday morning and I've got to get out the door, then I have no qualms about either microwaving my kids' overnight oats to warm them up or microwaving the onions for for the slow cooker recipe that I'm going to, you know, throw together that morning. So really, I had to get over like kind of a mental hurdle as well. So I get that. But then there is the stovetop option, you know, for people who really don't want to use the microwave. That's totally cool. And you can use the stovetop as well. There are... It's interesting that you're talking about blooming versus browning. And I think that's a really smart and thoughtful distinction that maybe people who aren't thinking about food and cooking all the time the way we are. Yes. Can you just talk about that for a minute and also in relation to proteins? Yes. So the proteins I'm going to treat a little bit differently. When it comes to these aromatics, the onions, the carrots, the celery, and then I also include the garlic the shallots, if there are, and then the spices. So on the stovetop, how that would work is you heat olive oil, you add your, say, your onions and your carrots, and then I'm going to have you add the garlic and the spices and cook those just for 30 seconds to a minute because you're going to bloom them. What that means is you're drawing out for the spices, you're kind of opening them up. The oils are going to open up those spices and make them more aromatic. Same with the garlic. So the microwave does the same thing, but in the microwave, what you're going to do is just add all of those ingredients in a bowl at once, throw it in the microwave for five minutes, and then, you know, give it a stir halfway through. And that is going to do the same thing. The oil that you're going to toss it in, it's going to bloom those spices, bloom that garlic, open it up, and you're going to end up with more flavor. When it comes to meat, however, there is a distinction. And with the meat, I don't suggest microwaving it because meat proteins behave very differently in the microwave and you run the risk of ending up with something that's tough before it even goes in the slow cooker. And just kind of gross looking. And just gross looking. (laughs) So for meat, not all... I'm vain. I'm like, ugh. uh, Not all meats have to be browned before they go in the slow cooker. However, for some meats, I do recommend searing them beforehand. And there's two really important reasons for this. One and first and foremost is flavor. You want that caramelization to happen on the outside of the meat because as it braises, it is going to be so much richer and more flavorful. I mean, just think of the color. If you're going to throw, you know, short ribs in there that aren't browned, they're just kind of flaccid looking. (laughs) You want that deep, brown color because that equals flavor and secondly and that is i know (laughs) that that was a little maybe that was a little uh (laughs) yeah no i i hear you i totally hear you (laughs) but also it's like you want to drain off some of the fat so in my chili recipe i do have you brown the meat first because if you don't a you're losing out on a lot of flavor and b you're gonna end up with a super greasy chili that just from my opinion the texture is just it's not satisfying. I want a really rich flavor, but I want something that's really clean. Um, And so that way you can drain off all the fat and not end up with something that's really, I don't know, too heavy. I like your descriptor clean because it's not just about health or making something lower in fat. It actually allows you to get a depth of flavor without this kind of heavy richness. 
which I love, especially for like weeknight cooking, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I find like, I'm often not cooking short ribs on a Tuesday night. (laughs) Yeah. So those recipes in my book, I've got a slew of recipes and a lot of them are staple weeknight staples. And then there's many of them, I would say less so. I'd say most of them are kind of more weeknight staples, but I love entertaining with my slow cooker. It is my one of my favorite secret tools when we're having friends and like friends over or even for the holidays because I love entertaining. We have friends over all the time and I still even though I'm a trained professional, I'm a nervous host and I don't like <laughs> being stuck in the kitchen running around chasing pots and pans. Like it's yeah. just too much. I want to be relaxing with a glass of wine on the couch with my friends. <laughs> Totally. And so the slow cooker is amazing because I can do, first of all, I can get all the prep done that morning, but even better, most of these dishes are even better the next day. So I can make like Saturday night's dinner party menu on Friday and no one knows that the short ribs were cooked the day before and they're going to taste even better. But for those recipes, they do involve a little bit more prep because you do want to sear them on the stovetop. So those are the kind of things that involve a little bit more advanced work but they're special and they're stunning recipes. You can serve them for Christmas dinner like I've done or just for dinner parties and get togethers and things like that. And I do appreciate that the book offers recipes like that because a lot of slow cooker resources really do focus on like the just, you know, dump it all in and dinner will be ready at the end of the day. And the slow cooker can offer so, so much more. Yeah. You know, I, one of my favorite ways to use my slow cooker is to make ribs for like a summer backyard barbecue, you know, and to have that going and going and, you know, do it the day before, just like you said, um, just like the short ribs. So, We talked about searing. We talked about blooming. Are there any other tips that you want to share to deliciously layer flavor to avoid that kind of one note dump and cook? Yes. I found that the dump and cook, what I find the flavor ends up tasting a little muddy, you know, a little watery and and, and very muted to me. Um, So by muddy, I just mean that like everything's kind of like one note. So to combat that, um, in developing my these slow cooker recipes, what I've discovered is A, cut back on liquid. Like way yes. cut back on liquid. Cut back. Yes. There are some recipes there which might just be like a tiny bit of liquid in the bottom of the slow cooker because vegetables and meats contain a lot of water and they're going to give off. There's nowhere for that water to go. So it's going to stay in the slow cooker and then you end up braising something in its own juices and it's going to be even more delicious that way than adding water and or even a lot of broth or whatever it is. It's going to end up kind of swimming in that stuff and you want it to really intensify the flavor. And the second is to amplify your spices because long cooking time is going to mute those spices down. So you want to be very bold with your spices in the slow cooker um, and not be afraid of them. And then finally, I would say like finish the dish. So there are definitely times when you just open the slow cooker and serve it like a chili or a stew and things like that. I am a texture and flavor fanatic and I always want to add a bit more brightness. So finishing the dish might just mean squeezing in some lemon juice or lime juice, like a little citrus, or it might mean like throwing in some fresh herbs at the very end or throwing in some fresh spinach at the very end or making like a quick yogurt sauce to drizzle over the lamb or something like that. But finish it, you know? And I just feel like we all, we we, we don't really figure out, you know, we don't really think about that like last step that's really important. I think that that's actually a fantastic tip for all of your cooking. I mean, you know, toasting breadcrumbs, pickled onions, fresh herbs, really good finishing olive oil, that if it's too expensive, great, just use a tiny bit at the very end. Don't cook with it. Like these are the ingredients that I keep in my pantry and that I prep at the beginning of the week in the case of the breadcrumbs or the pickled onions or really pickled anything. That whenever you're done, just finish it, like you're saying, adds another layer of flavor that's really like bright and sharp and gives it a freshness. So I think that is fantastic for slow cooking and for any cooking. For anything and for things like slow cooked food, and this is even if you're just making a super stew or braise on the stovetop, 
acid is really important. So when you taste that at the end, if you want a really dynamic sauce or soup, even if you're making, you know, say a sweet potato soup, adding a few drops of lemon juice to the very, to the finished soup or whatever it may be, or a few drops of vinegar, you don't need a lot. It's that thing that's like, oh, now it all came together. It's not the salt all the time. I think a lot of people are like, oh, it needs something, but I don't know what it is. It's not always salt. Try a touch of acid and see how that changes things. It's really amazing. And it's so important for slow cooked food. So what is something you make in your slow cooker that you think would surprise people? Okay. So the my biggest revelation <laughs> in writing this book, and actually this is so fun because I'm literally making it tonight, <laughs> is make, cooking fish in the slow cooker. I oh my gosh. Never, it never occurred to me to try to cook fish in the slow cooker. Not even once. I mean, I think- No, because it's quick cooking. That's what it is. Yes. So- this I'm making slow-cooked salmon tonight because it is foolproof. This is foolproof. What you want to do is line your slow cooker at the bottom of it. I usually do like lemon slices or citrus slices. This is a tip that I picked up from America's Test Kitchen. Then you pour in just a touch of water or wine and you lay your salmon fillets or halibut fillets right on top. And you can, I love adding a spice rub, whatever you're going to do. And then you cook it on low for an hour to an hour and a half, and you end up with the most perfectly cooked, tender, flaky fish. Oh my gosh. I feel like I have to go run out and get fish so I can do this tonight. I have a friend who doesn't cook, who literally never cooks anything. And (laughs) now she makes salmon all the time and she's so proud of herself because she can do it because she was so intimidated by it. But it's foolproof. And then the other side of things is when... You can make, you know, a bouillabaisse and, or make something that's more brothy and then add the fish at the end and let it cook yeah. really quickly. And that would be on high heat and it only needs, you know, five to 10 minutes to cook through. That's what I thought you were going to say, but slow cooking fish yeah. is so uh, clever. Like, I don't, as a kind of, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about swordfish. I find it can often be really dry and really chalky. I adore cooking swordfish in the slow cooker because it's super joy- juicy and tender and I flake it up and toss it with a pasta puttanesca and it's really Ooh, good. But yum. like that shifted me from being a swordfish skeptic to be, you know, a swordfish. You know, I we don't buy it all of the time because it is one of those fish that's higher yeah. on the chain, that has yes. higher mercury content. Yep. But we're lucky to live in an area with great fishermen. And so it's it's a treat for us and I, I love it. <laughs> Thanks well, to I love cooker. swordfish and you know that I'm, if on salmon, which I don't, I don't know. People always seem shocked by that, but like I find salmon kind of, eh. and the thing is if you, when I'm trying to cook it quickly, I'll just pop it into the oven. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I just, if it's not exactly the right temperature, I'm not paying enough attention and a few minutes goes by. Cause this is, this is my Achilles heel as a, as a culinary professional. I'm like, I've got this. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't need to set that timer. I'm in the smell when it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course I'm capable of, but not when, you know, like Oliver's screaming from upstairs mm-hmm. and Isaac's asking me for homework help. And, yes. You know, I then I lose you. track. And salmon gets that that white stuff on it. I don't know the technical the term. Yeah. We're going to just call it white stuff, but I know <laughs> every single one of you listening knows what I'm talking about. And that's from overcooking it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I love this idea. I'm going to do it and I'm going to I'm going to start with salmon start to challenge myself. See if myself. you like it. See if you like it. So there's a few, I mean, I've got a few different recipes in the book. One, I mean, you can just keep it really simple. Um sometimes what I like to do is do like a rub with some curry powder and a touch of brown sugar. Mm. That's just going to give you kind of that caramelized aspect flavor that you're going to mi- that you're missing by slow cooking it. But tonight what I'm doing is we're going to make bowls. This is like combined both of my loves. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm literally, this is literally what we're making. And it just had, I didn't plan this for this interview, but I'm going to slow cook the salmon and then we'll make grain bowls out of it and like a quick sauce. And I don't know, I'll throw together probably some avocado or maybe some beans. I think I might go on a Mexican route. I haven't figured that part out, but nice. I love eating as bowls because my kids love it because they get to pick and choose what they want. But the you can just like flake that salmon into big chunks over, or you can just serve it as a filet, but it's just so tender and lovely. And 
Yeah. <laughs> Should the fish be thick cut for using it in the slow cooker this way? I definitely, I always suggest, yes, great question, okay. going from the head end, so going from the a center cut fillets of salmon. Nice. Um, not the tail end, it just will cook too quickly. Got it. Okay, what about accessories? One of the things that we always kind of refer to on the show is that Megan identifies as a minimalist, <laughs> and I'm a maximalist. <laughs> And that means, I won't go into what it means. Sometimes I feel like I have to justify what I mean because I I don't want to be perceived as wasteful, but I I do like my things and it's important to me that I actually make use of them. So I have this kind of like love, hate, and always changing set of kitchen accessories because I go through all different phases. And then I'm like, I'm not using this. I should really give it to the Goodwill or a friend or, you know, I don't want to have things in my kitchen that are just cluttering it up without use. But I need to know, like, are there (laughs) slow cooker accessories that I should be using Um, (laughs) that I can have fun with? I hate to disappoint you, but I'm a minimalist (laughs) like Megan. And really, there's not. I mean, there's nothing that that comes to mind. There's nothing. The only thing that I suggest... and this is not really a slow cooker accessory, is investing in some good storage containers because inevitably you're going to have leftovers and slow cooked food, aside from the fish recipes, slow cooked food freezes beautifully. So this is a great time to freeze leftovers for quick and easy meals down the road. So that would be the only thing that comes to mind. There's really not another accessory accessory. Hey, listen, you're you're making Megan very happy right now. (laughs) And then that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these tips we, why don't you tell people where they can find your book? But oh. we're also going to have links in the show notes. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. You guys can find me at From Scratch Fast um, on social media and YouTube and Facebook. And my website is fromscratchfast.com. Um, yeah, and you can find all the books there too. So, but thank you so much. This has been so fun. I could talk slow cooker with you all day. <laughs> I, I could too. I bet we could talk about a lot more too. I think so. So. <laughs> So Stacey, I want to know what was your favorite takeaway from talking with Nikki? Well, okay. So I think you guys can tell. (laughs) So I'm not very good at keeping it close to the chest. (laughs) That the idea of slow cooking fish was really like, that's new to me. I am not huge on my slow cooker. And I said that in the slow cooking episode from last year. But the only way that I've ever cooked fish before is like Nikki said, like in bouillabaisse or something like that, where you have a broth or a stew and then you put the fish in at the end and it cooks very quickly in the hot soup or broth. So the idea of just taking thick cut fillets and then putting them in the slow cooker for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it is she said exactly. And we're going to share a recipe for one of these slow cooked fishes in the show notes. Um, And knowing that it's going to come out perfectly cooked is really awesome because even when you know how to cook fish perfectly, as I do, on weeknights when I just throw it in the oven and then I get all like turned around, like feeding the dog and helping the kids, you know, it inevitably gets overcooked. So the idea that I can just set it and forget it and not feel like I sacrifice the quality of our fish dinner is really a big deal for me. Yes, I love that. And I think that aligns with a lot of recipes that came out last year in 2019 for slow roasted fish. Like if you're going to do a whole side of salmon for meal prep, um, you could take a lot of those flavors from like the Bon Appetit recipe for the things like that and then just translate them into the slow cooker. And you have an even larger margin of error and you don't have to feel like you're wasting expensive fish cooking it wrong. Yes, because it's true. Fish is so expensive. It is. And uh, we don't eat enough of it. Um, and I'd like to eat more of it. So I love the idea of cooking it in the slow cooker. I, Stacy, have a really fun game I want us to play before we leave. Woo-woo. Let's do it. Are you ready? Because I think it relates back to, you know, what you and Nikki talked about, about what our listeners group asked about, like, if I have an Instant Pot, do I need um, a slow cooker, vice versa? So I thought it'd be fun to play our favorite game, Kiss, Mary, Kill. <laughs> Which 
appliances. Kitchen appliances. Oh, I love it. Okay. okay. Are you going to name the three kitchen appliances? I am. So okay. you don't have to like reach for, oh, what do I use? What do I not use? Okay. Kiss Mary Kill, an immersion blender, mm. a stand mixer, oh, and a slow cooker. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, it's super tricky, actually. Um, wow. This feels like a serious one to me for some reason. Yeah, I like think it's a, fun. Like I want to hear. No, I, think... I feel like professional. Like okay, I feel like okay. oh, I have to like. There's a lot of professional reasoning that goes into this, instead of it usually just being my gut. Okay, here we go. I am going to marry the slow cooker. Okay, especially after my conversation with Nikki. Um, I mean, that seems smart. Like, yeah, right. You, you want to be married to someone who's sturdy and reliable, don't you? <laughs> So funny. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, yes. Okay. Mary okay. the slow cooker. Okay. Don't judge me, Megan, or get mad. I already am. You yeah. said it. So I'm it's starting. I'm going to kiss my immersion blender. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to kill my stand mixer. All right. I know that's crazy, but I have to tell you, as someone who's not, I mean, I love my stand mixer, but as someone who's not like a hardcore baker, I often just grab my hand mixer. Uh, Dude, me too. And I'm a pro baker. My, I think we've talked about this before. Like our kitchen is so small that my stand mixer lives in a closet in the garage, which is just outside the garage door and it connects to the kitchen. But I, if I can avoid like dragging it out, I will. So the hand mixer is like one of my go-to tools actually. And especially when I'm making stuff with my kids. Yeah. It's easier for them. I don't know. My husband always freaks out about the safety of the kids with the stand mixer. He's like, they're going to crush their hands. (laughs) (laughs) He does not sound like that. You guys, we should definitely have our husbands on the episode. But also I feel like this complaint could be squashed with a simple Google search of statistics like zero children have have. crushed their hands. I never have. I don't know because I just don't agree and so because zero because Megan zero children have crushed their hands. (laughs) You tell him that Stacey. I'm not going to. It's okay. Everybody's Um, allowed irrational fears. Yes. So we use the hand mixer a lot for like Okay so then what's your kiss marry kill here? Um I still think I would kiss my stand mixer because yeah. I do love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, ooh, this is a tough one because I do actually love my immersion blender. Why did I pick three things I really like? <laughs> you like I making think, life hard. I know. Marrying the slow cooker is a, just a no-brainer. Like, Duh. Yeah. We all need a slow cooker in our life. Even if you're not using it for weeknight meals. I know a lot of people, we talked about this in the slow cooker episode. The complaint is like, it's hard to do an eight hour cook time when your job and your commute keeps you out of the house for more like 10 hours. Um, but there's lots of ways to work around that. But still, I would marry the slow cooker. Um, I guess I would kill my immersion blender. That bye kind bye. of hurts my heart. Bye but bye I don't think immersion. I use it as often as you do. You're, I think of you as the queen of like, weeknight sauces and using your immersion blender. I do. I love my immersion blender. Yeah. I'm more likely to use a blender on the weekend and like do a bulk batch of sauce, which we have a whole episode about sauce. Yeah. (laughs) That was my dance around sauces. All right. So that I don't keep singing in your ears, people. I really love it. We had (laughs) some great gems of sound effects in this episode, um, including my impersonation of my husband. Hey, we should get a thread going in the listeners group about what our listeners would like to hear about from our husbands, because I think that might be a really fun episode. That's hilarious. Remember we once said we were going to also do episodes with our moms? Yeah, I still would do that. I just don't know what for. I think (laughs) Ella... Ella really wants to do an episode about birthday cake. So I think we might do that as like a mini episode in the future. Ella, Ella and I. that's genius. She's like a influencer, tiny influencer in her mind. I love Isaac's it. Isaac's a big influencer in his mind. Does he? Oh. He doesn't even have social media. So. <laughs> but he's so sure that the only reason he's not TikTok famous is because he has horrible parents who won't let him go on to TikTok. Yeah, actually, that's probably true, Stacey. He's probably right, yeah. He is. Damn, could he make money? (laughs) Maybe, but what kind of person would he become? It's hard to know. I mean, listen, he's already on the plane home over break a few weeks ago. 
He bought an Us Weekly. He sat on the plane. He devoured that. I mean, he's 13. And then the next day he was like, you know, Kendall Jenner's really pretty. <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> so, you Aww. know, listen, we all go through our phases, Megan. We don't judge. I love him. I love him TikTok growing famous up. TikTok people, we respect you. Yeah. You right? do you. You I think, it's, I think it's much harder <laughs> to grow up in the age of social media. And we are not equipped, like you and I. I didn't have Facebook until I was, like, out of culinary school. Yeah. I never had it as a kid or Instagram or anything like that. Actually, in our listeners group, I would love to know, would you guys be interested in an episode on the relationship between social media and kids and food? Because food is such... Yeah, right? Food is such a huge sector of, uh, you know, influencer social media content. And our kids are watching it. And some of it's just weird. Like they're watching people make sandwiches, you know, and other of it is a lot of like, quote unquote, wellness and health media from and for kid athletes and, you know, just influencers who are like all about the healthy lifestyle. That's so, bothersome. You know, that is something that has been on my mind as we start to think about when we're going to open up social media for Isaac on his own. He obviously looks through browsers and friends, but curious if that's something everyone's interested in. So I, I'm interested. I'm one vote for okay. it. I'll start the thread in Guess our listeners what? group. Your vote's kind of the most important, but <laughs> I do want to hear from our people. So you should find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Facebook, where you will also find that listeners group, The Secret question. It's not a secret question. We really need to work on that. The question that you'll be asked to join the group is, has an answer. And the answer is whiskey (laughs) or really anything since I can't even get the sentence out. Also, you can find us as didn't I just feed you on Instagram. And guys, we have a newsletter now. Oh, shoot. I'm so glad you remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're giving out bonus recipes in the newsletter. So you want to subscribe. There's going to be a recipe in the show notes. But if you want a second recipe from Nikki's new book about slow cookers so that you can really give it a test run before investing your money, you need to sign up for the newsletter. Do it. Also, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we love to see your ratings and read your reviews. And those help us in the many ways we've already talked about in this episode. (laughs) Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge, huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week. One thing I really dislike, sorry, and then we'll get we'll get going, is I have this weird like husky man laugh that I do. It's that. It's like Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, and when I hear it on recordings, I'm always like, oh, that's terrible. I sound like I smoke a pack a day. It's not Never terrible. Never smoked a pack in my life. <laughs>